Kia ora, e me te Welcome, friends and family, to the Candid Kiwi podcast. I'm your host, Melissa, and I am the Candid Kiwi. Kia ora, welcome to episode 25. It is an odd number, so it's me, your odd candy kiwi. In this episode, I'm going to tell random stuff about my childhood, and I've got like little subjects that I'll be talking about, like my bedroom, my thing I'm most proudest of, world events, my favorite place, my favorite activities to do, things like that. Just little bits and pieces that gives you more of an insight to what my childhood and what my life was like and how it relates to my life like right now so it's just a little filler and I also talk about how moving forward what is it going to look like when it comes to these odd numbers in me because there's only so many stories and things that I can tell you about my childhood right and there seems to be kind of a lot of stuff I've told you guys I think you guys know me pretty good by now you know what I mean and so with this filler I have like one more that I'm thinking of doing in March and then after that I'm not too sure where to take it and so I talk about that a little bit more in this episode I would love 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 your feedback on that and see what it is that you would like to see as well so with that said come and find out a little bit more about the bits and pieces of my childhood give me some feedback and listen to my ideas and tell me what you think okay let's go kia ora welcome thanks for being with me and I kind of like have told a lot about my story you know And I feel like you all know me pretty well. And I thought about what to say this month. And usually I have a plan and I listen to my heart. And I always know what I'm going to do and say. And this month I've kind of started slowing down with my stories. Because maybe there's only so many stories that I have. I don't know. I think there's not... I mean, I just can't be telling you guys little stories about my childhood forever I guess unless people would like to hear specific things not that my story is finished by any means but I've almost come to a point where I'm wondering where to take my part of the journey you know on my podcast when it comes to posts that are from me today I'm going to talk about a few pieces of my story in childhood and then I'm thinking I can take my turn in one of two ways number one I can just start doing other stories fully and not share anything else, I guess, when it comes to me. Or number two, I can continue to talk about different parts and thoughts of my story for that month. I'm thinking that maybe whatever I've been thinking or feeling that month or a part of my story for that month, rather than it be about my childhood, be it more about things that I've been meditating on or thinking about. I don't know how you feel about that or even how I feel about that. I'd love your feedback about that, about what you think and what you'd like to see on the Candid Kiwi on my end or my part. And I don't know like how you feel about that or because statistically other people's stories get listened to more than my stories and I know that my stories aren't as exciting for the most part as some other people's stories but still I know that there's some people out there that like to listen to my stories as well so I don't know I would love your feedback and your thoughts on where I should start taking my part of my story and my journey on this podcast and I'll keep praying and meditating on what it is that I need to do for my part as well and 
I've got one more idea that I'll share in March. And but after that, I I don't know. I'm not sure, to be quite honest, guys. So yeah, let me know what you think. So I mean, at the end of the day, this podcast is a podcast of stories to help us feel connected as humans to each other. I think we need that more than ever still. I think that there is a lot going on and I don't see it calming down anytime soon. People are getting upset around the world and I don't know, I just think more strongly than ever that I need to push forward with this podcast and with mine as well as other stories to try and help us to see each other as human. You know what I mean? That's why I started it and I'll continue to move forward with it. Whether or not I continue to move forward with an episode about my thoughts or just start doing episodes with people, you know, soon, that's to be determined, I guess. Let me know. So there's little bits and pieces of my childhood that I think I'd throw in there that relates to everything. So this is kind of going to be a hodgepodge of different things as I try and come down to a point where, because you kind of know where I live, where I come from, who I am, my children, my family, my upbringing, my body story, my food, my father, my trials, my ups, my downs, my siblings. You know, you've kind of gotten a good idea about who I am as a person and part of my story. So really for today... This is kind of like a sum up of little bits and pieces that I've kind of missed out and stuff that will help you to get to know me a little bit more and maybe us move forward together in this journey that I'm doing. And I want to tell you that I really appreciate you listening and your support and for all of that as well. So I'll tell you like little things that I'm going to be talking about and then move forward so you're not just like, whoa, that was a massive switch. So I'll let you know that I'm going to start off with my bedroom and what my bedroom was like so that you know okay so she's talking about her bedroom and then I'll say okay activities my favorite activities stuff like that so that you're not like lost when it comes to my narrative (laughs) so let's get into those little bits and pieces so first of all I was thinking about my childhood and some things and my bedroom was a shared bedroom my whole life And I think I've kind of told you that the only time I've ever been myself is about a year after I get back from my mission and before I got married to Drew. The rest of the time, I've shared a bedroom. So for 23 years, and then I had a year to myself, and then from 24 years old to 44 years old, I've shared a bedroom, you know. And to be honest, for me, it was the best thing. My sister and I are still best friends to this day, and I think part of that is due to sharing a room our whole childhood, hence why my kids share a room. We have an extra room in our house that a child could technically have, but we have two boys and two girls, so it simply works for them to share a room for now. I'd like to think it'll be helpful to my children's friendships like it was for mine and my sister's, and that's all I know really. Did my sister and I fight? Yeah, all the time. Did we put like a big duct tape line through the middle of the bedroom at one stage because we were so upset at each other? Yeah, you know we did. But I think that's part and parcel of learning how to navigate, how to share and how to live with people that you like and don't like and that you love and don't like some days, you know what I mean? And all of that I learned through sharing a room and therefore I think it's important for my kids to learn that too. Am I doing them a disservice or a service? Who knows, right? I don't know. I'm just doing what I know and what I think is right for me. I know there's a ton of kids out there that have their own rooms. 
I don't know what's right or not. I'm just doing me, right? You do you. New Zealand rooms don't always have a wardrobe or a closet. So a lot of my rooms didn't have, you know, a closet or what we would call a wardrobe. So everything was in drawers or a stand-up wardrobe. Like, you know how that stand-up wardrobe is in The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe movie? Kind of like it's not a part of the room. It's its own piece of furniture. We kind of had that. So consequently, I found it weird that Drew hung up his t-shirts, but he was brought up with a closet in his room, or a wardrobe in his room, you know, and so it's just different, and to this day, all my t-shirts are in my drawers. (laughs) It's taken me a lot of practice to hang up certain clothes, because we would, I just had, you know, drawers, and everything went in my drawers, and so... That was a little bit of a difference. Why New Zealand doesn't have built-in closets or wardrobes, I don't know. It's just the way it is. I can't explain it to you. It's just how it is. And that's why we have, you know, those... I remember the, you know, upstanding or the not built-in wardrobe that we had being beautiful, man. And me and my sister would share it. I don't even know where that is. Where is it, Mum? It was in our Islington Street house. I loved it. It was awesome. Where is that? I have to ask my mum. My sister and I were in single beds, like side by side with a little gap in the middle or bunks growing up, depending on the room and how much room we had. None of the rooms were like super big. We always played games and always talked at night when we were supposed to be in bed. But I don't remember playing in my room during the days. We were outside or playing in the front room or playing games like I don't remember going back into our rooms to play much. That was just at night when we were supposed to be sleeping. My room was just a place to sleep. It wasn't like a hangout room because we didn't have any TVs in the room, obviously, or a desk or anything like that. So my kids' rooms are kind of the same. They, we don't, My kids' rooms don't have any TV. They're not allowed any kind of... They're not allowed their phones in their room, their laptops, nothing like that, their school laptops. My kids don't have laptops. <laughs> it's... Interesting, you know, that my childhood things penetrate into what I, how I parent my children. Like, Drew wasn't brought up with a TV in his room either, I don't think. Drew, correct me if I'm wrong. And so we just don't do that. And especially nowadays with social media and not that my kids have social media, but with phones and them having to have good sleep and TV shows and everything and all of the good things but the darkness that's out there that's trying to entrap our children I just I mean Drew and I have just been like yeah there's no TVs in your room you don't have your phones in your room there's no computers in your room it's just not it's just not and we have the internet where um it shuts down like our our internet that we give we have a addition thing pugs will be like our mate pugs he uh as a technician guy and he'll be embarrassed that I'm calling it this because I don't know what the hell it's called but it's this thing that he got us and you can have complete control of all of the devices in your house and so Masaru each each person's phone and each person's uh, each of the TVs in the house and each of the laptops in the house that are all connected to the Wi-Fi are under Drew's control on his phone and he can shut them down at any time so nobody can get onto the internet at certain times of the night you know what I mean everything just shuts down we've had incidences when we've busted our kids being on the 
computer su- being sucked down into the YouTube vortex until wee hours in the morning. And for us, it seems like it's just a safety net to be able to allow our kids to fully know that they can't get onto anything or watch any TV or nothing after the hours of, you know, 10 o'clock at night. And so they just need to just go to sleep. Kids and even adults are highly addictive, have highly addictive natures and stuff. And so for us, we're just trying to protect our kids' sleep and who they are the best way that we know how. You might have an opinion on that and think that it's wrong. We're trying to balance that out. And I'm the, the most, and I'm right up there in the front with the most imperfect parent that's just trying her best. You know what I mean? And so I'm just trying to do what's best for my kids and protect them the best way that I know how. Because it would be super naive to think that your children aren't going to get addicted to their phones if you allow them to. Because, I mean, their kids their brains haven't developed properly, of course they're going to get addicted. And the algorithm, as we all know, in technology is to get them addicted and they want them. And even though they don't mean to or don't try to look for it or aren't, I mean, they can't fight against big tech, right? And so me and Drew have to try and fight for them. So it's us trying to balance between giving them as much as they need so that they can go into the big, bad, beautiful world equipped with the best knowledge they know how to fight against that, but also protect them from themselves and be able to try and figure that out together. Only you and your partner or you if you're single or your partner can figure out what that looks like, right? So that's what it looks like for us. All right, so now I'm going to move on to my favorite activities. We did a lot of activities as children. One of my favorite activities was simply biking around We have bikes and learn how to ride them young, real young, and Drew and I both were on the same page when it came to us kids learning how to ride bikes, that we would take off the training wheels, that we would never have training wheels. I never had training wheels growing up, I don't think. Maybe I did. I can't remember. I think they came off pretty quick if we did, and Drew doesn't believe in them, period. And so our children never had training wheels on their bikes, and i got to tell you guys, It's the best thing that you can do. Don't ever let your kids have training wheels because then you're just prolonging them being able to ride a bike. I'm telling you right now, man, when you buy your kids a bike, don't let them know there's even a thing invented calling training wheels. Do your job and teach them how to balance and ride a bike and get out with them and run with them and they'll be learning how to ride a bike real quick. Takeshi was two when he was riding a bike. The rest of my kids were three when they were riding a bike by themselves, no trainers, because it wasn't an option. Our kids can do hard things and they can do real good stuff and they will ride their bike and be independent on it if we allow them a chance to be able to try and figure that out. Unless our children have some kind of spatial awareness problems and stuff of course they can totally ride a bike and it was funny because when we were living in Boise when we first moved here our kids were learning how to ride bikes and they were zipping around the neighborhood and the neighbors were looking at us going like oh man your kids are so young riding a bike I'm like yeah your kids can too take those trainers off and have them ride with us our kids too and they did and they took the trainers off and they all like with this little rack pack right riding around with their bikes because parents just needed to be shown and told no your kids can do this and when I was in New Zealand years and years ago when Masato was just little he was going to kindergarten and it's different from here kindy remember is like preschool and I was taking Masato to preschool and to kindy New Zealand kindy 
and this kid comes tearing in on his bike and does a skid and I'm like oh man how old's your kid she's like oh he's two or three and I'm like and he knows how to ride a bike she's like oh yeah you just let them ride and that example of that mum and that little kid made me realize yeah my kids can ride and Masada was riding no worries and your kids can too and so riding a bike was just part of who we were as a family it gave us freedom the wind in our hair we had we rode around like hoodlums all the time to our friend's place up and down around to the beach to the rivers like everything our bike was freedom and maybe that's why I bike now you know what I mean? Because of my childhood, I don't know. I can't psychoanalyze that. I'm not sure, but I've always, always been on a bike. I think I've already told you guys, but one of my bikes was a Raleigh 20. <laughs> I don't know if they had those over here, but the faster you biked, the more light came out of the um, torch at the front, like the flashlight at the front. And so at nights when I was biking, the faster I biked, the more light I would have. <laughs> my kids could experience that that science lesson and that <laughs> so we would like pedal and pedal and pedal and see how bright we could get that light you know it's just a little bit of a insight into how old I am and what my life was like in the activity of riding a bike it was really really awesome but I remember feeling free and going tons of places because of my bike Another thing that makes me sound super old is, have I told you guys that we had a washing machine that had the rollers? So like it would agitate and wash the clothes and then you would pull the clothes out of the washing machine and put them through a roller that was above. I don't know if I'm saying it right. And then you shove it through the roller and it would dry out your clothes enough for you to be able to then hang it up on the line. Have I told you guys that? And... <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that those washing machines are in a museum. <laughs> but I remember doing the washing like that. I thought it was fun. I always thought it was fun. I was glad that I had that experience. Did anyone else have a have a washing machine with the rollers on top? I don't think Americans would have. You guys were like, we were pretty poor. That was part of us being poor, you know, was mum being able to get whatever washing machine she could that she could afford and do it. I just don't even know. Can you imagine doing nine people's laundry with that machine? Uh, I don't know, guys. Like, I'm super grateful for my washing machine, I'll tell you what. But I'm also really, really grateful for the experience that I had with that washing machine. You know? I don't know. Sometimes I think having that kind of washing machine would be good for my kids. But... It's funny, you know, because we get things that work more efficiently so we can have more time, you know what I mean? But where's the time? I just fill it in with something else, right? I have a dishwasher, so now I don't need to do the dishes. We have a ride-on mower. We have like a washing machine that takes care of itself, you know, and a dryer. But I just fill it up with more stuff, right? I don't know if that's good or bad. I'm going to leave that thought out there for you guys and move on to a different place. Now I'm going to talk about some of the favorite places I had. I had a few favorite places growing up as a kid, but of course, because New Zealand's so beautiful, like the forest and seeing the fantails and being able to just be with that, and it, it was it was amazing. Like you have to, you 
first of all, you have to go to New Zealand if you don't live there. And if you do, then you have to go, we would call them bushwalks. Over here, we call them hikes. So you just go on a bushwalk, you go into the bush and you go for a walk over here, it's called a hike. You go into the forest and you do a hike or the desert or whatever, you know. And it's beautiful. We have such good walks in New Zealand and treks. We call it trekking. They don't really call it that here, they just call it hikes. So if a Kiwi says, oh, I went for a bushwalk or I went for a cool trek, then you'll know what they're talking about. You're welcome. But one of my most favorite places ever was the beach. So many good things happened at the beach. I learned how to swim properly. I learned how to be respectful to the ocean. I learned that I could die there if I didn't read it properly. The sun was nice and the surf was awesome, as well as the sand and the rock pools and the things that I discovered in the rock pools and the memories that I have as a child with my family at the beach makes it one of my most favorite places. We always had a beach in every place that I lived in New Zealand too. Some of the beaches were colder, some were warmer, some of the sand was better and the different things that we saw, but we always had a beach and a place to go to. In Tokoro, the best beach to go to is, that I knew at least, I could be wrong, was over at the mountain Tauranga. Beautiful so so beautiful you have to go up over a pass to get in there though and that's beautiful too if you have a good car if you don't have a good car then it takes a little bit <laughs> but it's always nice having a beach and there's like a good beach in Hamilton that called Raglan that's amazing as well plus good beaches everywhere like beaches are endless in New Zealand and in Invercargill even though it was so cold we had beaches down there in Dunedin we had St Clair Beach and St Kilda what was the beach called in Invercargill it starts with the O what's it called man it's on the tip of my tongue my sister knows anyway it was a cold beach but we had so much fun there just digging for clams and digging for pippies and digging for not clams digging for pippies digging for power. It was awesome. We had a good time down there. Oh man, what was that beach called? Aridi. Aridi Beach. It was Aridi Beach. Yes. Good job, Melissa. Nice. I'll always be grateful to mum and dad for showing New Zealand to us as children and being willing to drive and sacrifice for us to see, you know, our country and the beach, everything like that. So my mum and dad didn't have much money. There was tons of us kids and they would save, and I think I've already told you this, but they would save and they would travel around New Zealand with us in a figure eight and we'd stay with people and we'd discover the country together. And one of the trips we were in a van, another one we were in a station wagon and we made up little beds in the back and the kids sat in there. It was before you had to lock yourselves in. It was before seatbelts. And I was always jealous of those seats back there. But I'll always be grateful for mum and dad for showing us adventure and showing us the country and helping us to be able to see how beautiful New Zealand was and how important it was to see that kind of beauty. I feel like my love of the outdoors and nature was given to me in my childhood with my life with my family and my mum and dad and I'll forever be grateful for them for taking me camping and fishing and the one hunting trip that I did that I hate and the discovery that we did together to be able to show that the outdoors is important, it's beautiful, nature is amazing and to discover it and my siblings like the outdoors too and do a lot of stuff outdoors and do things and I think they're the same way. I think they're the same way for the same reason. Okay, 
World events, world events. As a child, my mum and dad always watched the news. They were, and my mum still is, super interested in New Zealand and world news. I hated it as a kid and thought it was super boring. (laughs) Uh, I still somewhat feel that same way today. I find myself mixed about it, you know, as the media and over here at least is very agenda motivated. They always have an agenda. They don't have my best interests at heart. They have their best interest at heart. So I find it hard to trust the media over here. I just want news given to me factually without any opinion and let me just figure out how I feel about that. Just give me the facts. So I don't really want to be part of that manipulation at all. And it's funny, you know, as a child, we read newspapers too, and my parents got newspapers, and I remember my dad reading them and my mum, and they talked about the world news. And so I was totally brought up with it. However much I want to keep up with world events, though I find myself dragged down by the negativity of it all. So I find it really quite triggering because I'm an empath, but I also want to know how things are going. But then I get triggered. I'm like, get upset that people are fighting, that people aren't happy and that the unfairness of it and just the tragedy that I can't. And so I get pulled down by it. So it's hard for me to be able to figure out what my feelings are about the news, you know. But my girlfriend, Natalie, she told me about a place that simply gives you the facts in an email in the mornings. And so I figured I would try that. And so far, so good. So far, it just gives me the facts. There's no agenda in it. There's no opinion about it. They just say, this is what's happening in the stock market. This is what's happening in Russia. This is what's happening with the president. This is what's happening in Canada. This is what's happening in the Olympics. You know what I mean? And so... I really appreciate that. So, so far, I haven't been triggered by that news forum. And so I'm going to keep being informed by them and keep figuring out how I feel about that. But so far, so good. So thanks to my mate for giving me that, you know. While I'm not like my mum and dad in this way, loving the news, I was brought up that way. Drew's parents, funnily enough, also watch the news religiously as well, yet Drew doesn't watch it either. Isn't that interesting, guys? Both our parents were hardcore into the news, hardcore, and still are. Drew's parents watch it all the time, but me and Drew came together, and we just, we've never sat down just to watch the local news together. (laughs) So it's kind of funny that we're the same way. So my children... Our children haven't been brought up with the news in their lives, and I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's just the way that it is. I guess time will tell the effect that it'll have on my children. We talk about world events, and maybe I should do a better job of reading them what's going on in school, shows them like CNN 10 and different stuff, and they get told stuff at school, and we're always open to discussing it all the time and stuff, you know, but we just don't have, to be quite honest, we don't watch much TV, period. Like, it's not just the news, it's any. Like, Monday through Friday, we're not watching much TV. Like, we'll watch movies on the weekends and the kids will catch up with stuff, but we're so busy with different things. And I don't want to use the word busy, but, I mean, they just have stuff to do. Like, there's homework and we have family time and Quite frankly, I'm not interested in turning the TV on during the week, to be honest, and that includes the news. So nothing actually gets watched. It's not as if the news isn't getting watched and we're watching dribble on TV. We're not. Nothing's getting watched, to be honest. So we're just not super big TV watchers, you know, so we'll see. 
subjects at school. My favorite subjects in school were PE and art, and I was also good at public speaking. I still love them to this day, and I stay active. I'm the art mum at school, and I still love to speak publicly. I love to discover ways that feel good to move my body. I love to dance, stretch, lift, bike, climb, hike, swim, and more. I'm actually learning how to ski right now, and the jury's still out on whether I want to continue to do it. I've had two lessons and I've got two more and the first was good and the second one I ended up crying. I have my third one tomorrow so there's that. I'm proud of myself for trying so we'll see where I go with it. I just don't want to crash and hurt myself and last week I got super scared and it was overwhelming for me and I just started crying man. I, I don't know like I want to I want to ski like I want to ski but I just need more practice you know what I mean. I've never put skis on my feet ever in my life. I'm 44 and I'm trying to learn how to ski. And in Boise, the ski fields aren't very uh, nice to you. You've got the bunny hill, so the easy hill, and then you've basically got like steep terrain. And so I don't have any kind of middle ground <laughs> to go from the easy bunny hill to like a middle ground route. It's either the bunny hill, yeah, you feel good. Okay, now go down this mega steep face. <laughs> So, and I'm a total scaredy cat, so, but whatever, I think it's awesome that I'm trying, right? I really would love to get back into my art. I want to get back into painting, you know what I mean? I'd love to try some glass blowing, stuff like that. I love to be creative, but not in like a decorative house crafty way, like in a more like of a painting pictures like creating something out of glass kind of way there's a difference you know what I mean I mean it's all creative but I'm not crafty you know I'm more arty I don't even know if that's a word or a thing might be full of crap but hopefully you understand what I mean but when I'm doing art I need a lot of time and peace and quiet so it simply doesn't feel possible in this stage of my life to be able to paint I would love to be able to have my own art studio and I know it would make me happy. And I'd love to go to a class at BSU or somewhere and practice and learn. That's a future dream of mine. To be able to be a yoga instructor and to paint. Doesn't that sound so crazy? You know what I mean? Have my podcast. But I don't know. Those are my goals, you know. But it's not going to happen right now. I just need to settle down and do what I can. I'd also like to be a public speaker. I'd love to travel around and be some kind of motivational speaker, but I don't see that happening, however, so I'll stick to my podcasting dreams. I love, love, love public speaking. I love to be up in front of a crowd. I love to be able to teach and to be able to talk and to be able to share. I don't know if people like to listen, but I love to do that, and I would love to be able to have that opportunity to be able to do that, but... I'm not anybody, like I don't have a master's or a PhD, I haven't had anything super tragic happen to me outside of just normal life stuff, right? I'm not, I haven't written a book, I don't, like basically, in, in essence, I'm like nobody, you know what I mean? And so there's no way someone's going to be like, oh yeah, everyone wants to hear from you, Melissa, because I'm a nobody, you know? But that would be something I would love to do if someone would give me that chance, but... So far that hasn't come into my life and I know that things happen for a reason and I trust that. Driving. When I was learning how to drive, my father taught me in the family red van and it was really easy car to drive and I figured I was doing it really right. It had one of those, it was a stick shift or a manual like we call it in New Zealand, but the stick shift was up by the steering wheel and so it was super easy and a really easy way to drive. I loved the stick shift. 
or the manual gear, like up by the steering wheel. It was mega easy. It was awesome. And so I figured I was really awesome. But then my mate Rawinia, she took me in her car and the stick shift or the manual was down, you know, by the by your knees. And bro, I was bunny hopping hard out and <laughs> I think Ra was like really surprised at how useless we, I was and she was being so patient and she was like Mills it's just you just need to eat I mean she was she was so good like she was the best teacher I could have had but I think we gave up I don't think I really <laughs> I don't think I really did super good with it but look at me now I'm a great driver I drive a manual or a stick real good and it worked out. Mum didn't ever teach us how to drive because that's not mum who mum is. She's not super patient with that and she's not, I mean, that's just not her thing. You know, she doesn't want to be in a car with a teenager learning how to drive. So that was all dad. He's relaxed and he did really good and he taught us and mum would kind of stress out about that, but that's all right. So it's best to learn how to drive with my father. So I appreciate that with him. That was awesome birthdays I don't remember much when it came to birthdays I remember having a sleepover with friends for one birthday so I know my parents made an effort and appreciate it so much my mum made really good cakes and she was a really good baker I remember my 21st was a big party that I had before going away on my mission it was a huge party and all my friends were there it was awesome Llewellyn my brother blew the speakers so that was awkward for a little bit it was kind of a little bit of lulled silence, but we got them back going and it was a really good time. We were poor, so my parents did the best they could with gifts, but we didn't go all out by any means. That was our style. I mean, I don't do any decor for my kids for their birthdays, but I do let them have mates over and have some fun. I don't mind having a full house and hosting, so that's easy for me, you know. But I just don't go, I mean... I don't do balloons or decorations or themes or... But we've already talked about that. The only birthday that the kids have done some kind of paid place is their 14th, which is way random. And that just happened to be by circumstance. And so 14, Masaru went to a... Him and his mates went to a bouncy jump place. And Yuki took... For her 14th, she took her mates to a escape room. And so 14 seems to be a place that seems to be the birthday where we'll spend money for them to take their mates to a place, you know. But every other birthday, they just have mates over and they have fun and do stuff without any decorations, you know. That's about it. The rest of the birthdays are either at the house hanging out or at the lake sometimes. Takeshi went out at the lake with his buddies last year. And Drew's on the same page with that too. So it's easy and saves money, really. And so I'm glad that he, and I don't know what he did for birthdays, you know. I mean, that's his, his to tell. So now I'm going to move on to the last topic of today of Melissa Nakaya's uh, story. And <laughs> that is what I'm most proud of as a child growing up. And I think the thing I was the most proud of as a child was my sporting achievements and my academic achievements. I always felt my most proudest with races I won, my medals in gymnastics I achieved, the games that I won as a child in a team sport, there was something about trying my hardest and winning that made me feel really good inside. And so I'm so grateful I had sports in my life. It helped me to know who I am, that I could do hard things, that I could achieve hard things. And it also helped me to be able to figure out who I was when I lost. 
you know, like, am I a loser? Who am I? Why did I lose? Is it okay? And to be able to pick myself back up and be like, no, I'm not a loser. I just lost that game today or I lost that medal and to be able to figure out the ups and the downs. And it really, I think, made me a good, a better person being in sports. I was also proud of my academic achievements when I did well in a test or a project or a speech or an exam for the same reason. I'd put in the hard work and I'd see the results and it was nice to feel as if I had a good brain that thought well that could do stuff. It always made me feel good. The feeling of being rewarded in some way for trying hard helped me to know I could do hard things and that I was a good, strong, smart person. And that felt I mean, that, felt, that was everything, trusting myself, knowing I could do it, trusting I was smart enough to achieve, and that I was athletic enough to achieve, and that's the truth. And I don't know if, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, but that was the thing that I was the most proud of. Really, when it boils down to it, when I tried hard at something and I was successful, that was the thing that I was most proud of. And that's about all I have for now. That's just a little bit more of my story. And unless you have any questions you'd like me to answer, hit me up with anything else that you'd be interested to hear. Otherwise, I'll try and move forward with one more next month and then try and figure out where I want to take this in the future when it comes to my stories. You know, my childhood was pretty great for the most part. I mean, obviously it was mixed in with a bunch of different stuff, like I've told you, and a couple of tough things, of course. But I'll always be grateful for the things that I've learned being a part of a wonderful family. I was loved. I wasn't abused in any way. I was brought up in education, privilege, you might say. And even though I was poor, I was loved. There was no drugs. There was no alcohol. There was no abuse. And so I was brought up in a safe environment where I could grow and learn and be and do. And I'm truly, truly grateful for that so that my scarring is minimal and I only have a few things that I'm trying to, to this day, work through. <laughs> I'm so, so amazed at people who have so much trauma and the work that they do, the continued work that they do in order to be able to get through that trauma. That's a massive example for me. I volunteer at... A safe house for women who have been trafficked and watching them in their lives try to voluntarily figure out how to move forward after the things that they've told me that have happened to them has been one of the best examples to me of my life that I can do it and that things are going to be okay. Those girls are beautiful and the work that they have done to be able to stay off the drugs and to try and get their traffickers caught and to be able to be brave and to try and get their children back, whether that they are or aren't going to do that. I mean, that just comes from hard work and them having hope in themselves and being a part of that has been an amazing journey for me as well and I appreciate being able to be a part of anybody's journey and stories of greatness when it comes to all of us who are ordinary people with extraordinary stories. And that's my goal, guys, is to be able to... I'm an ordinary person. I don't know if my story is extraordinary, but it's certainly my story that I love to be able to share with you guys. 
and hope to be able to continue to find people to share their extraordinary stories with you and information and education so that we can move forward together and try and be better and better and better right i want to say thanks for being here with me in this journey and i am going to love you and leave you that's about it looks like we had about half an hour 40 minutes worth of stories there so that's more than what i ever thought i would uh, give you so looks like a success and so i'm looking forward to the next guest that i'm going to have on it's if I can get them, it's going to be a rough subject, but I think if we educate ourselves, then we can do better. So hopefully I can get them to come on and then we can talk about it more then. But thank you so much and ka kite anō, a koutou.